So I'm going to pray us in and then we're going to allow the Lord to use us mightily. So let us pray. Dear God, I just thank you for another opportunity um, to be used by you. And I ask that you forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed against you, whether it was knowingly or unknowingly, willingly and unwillingly. And in this moment, God, we just exhale and we surrender all, every care, every worry, stress, anxiety, fear, frustration, any pressure of life, the weight of responsibilities. We just surrender it at your feet and in this moment decree and declare that we will be fully present to bask in your presence and receive the fullness thereof. God, we come expecting to hear a word from you, expecting to receive revelation, expecting for this to be another encounter and not just a conversation. But God, we want to receive wisdom, instruction, revelation, knowledge, Lord God. We want to know what thus saith the Lord so that we can go grow and glow in what you deem as necessary and have called according to your purpose and plan for our lives. So God, let it be said, let it be sealed and let it be so and let us leave this conversation forever impacted, encouraged, and restored. I thank you for all these things and more, God, and we just welcome you to sit in the midst of this conversation. And Holy Spirit, we say that you can sat saturate this atmosphere and do what you do best. You can think through our minds and speak through our lips and give us a tongue of the learn so that God is glorified. And as the listeners are joining, uh, live viewers are joining in and also also, those who may be listening or watching the replay, God, I ask that you prepare their hearts and their minds to receive and that you bless them 100 fold mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually and financially. So I thank you for all these things and more. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you hear like a static or a feedback? I just did started hearing it, but it's gone now. I don't know what that is. Actually, I do know what that's about, but I don't know how to not but anyhow go ahead hi Yoda. thank you for joining us all right so per usual i am your co-conversationalist cassandra lenore and i am joined by the beautiful dana kyle i'm trying to get myself situated okay who is just coming from court so look look at this dedication all right, beautiful. Take us away. Sorry. So y'all know I have my ministry that we have Bible study every Tuesday. Can you hear me? Okay. And we've been studying Philippians. Talk about that all, that all the time. So last Tuesday, we were talking about Philippians 2, verse 14 through 16, which reads, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. That's Paul talking. But it was very, a very full conversation because it hit on so many different things. And Paul and Philippians 1 talked about being blameless and pure, but he spoke about it in the context of love, of love versus here talking about being blameless and innocent. It seemed more of the inward reflection of the mind because he's talking about doing things without grumbling or disputing. And 
that blameless context is speaking of the outward things, conducts and conversations that we have where we um, can offend or we can cause harm. But that innocence he's speaking of is more inward and talking about us being able to say that we're innocent inwardly because anything we do outwardly is going to stem from a root of our inward appearance, our inward thoughts, our inward desires. And so you won't even get to the blame unless you have some form of wickedness within. So you, you can choose to be blameless outwardly, but still do something or think something inwardly behind closed doors in your mind, in your heart, and not be, and not be innocent, but be blameless because you didn't do anything outwardly, but you thought all these things inwardly, et cetera. So you're not innocent because you're still having these crazy thoughts, even if you're not acting on them. So that was the difference between the inward and the outward. And specifically because Paul said, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that took us to 2 Corinthians 10.5, which is the basis for the conversation today, where, it's, where Paul once again says, we demolish arguments and every pretension I actually like another version better where it says every lofty opinion that sets itself sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And why I link the two is because in Philippians, where he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, we were able in our study to see that when you're grumbling or disputing against people outwardly, you're really just grumbling or disputing against God. Because in this context, in Philippians, Paul is uh, directing his letter to the church. So it's telling us to do things within the church and amongst the people in the body of Christ without grumbling or disputing. And if God is in all of them and working in all of them, which Paul talks about in Philippians 2 earlier before this verse in terms of working in everyone for the will and his good pleasure. So if God is working in everyone in the church and God is even working in the circumstances in his church to will for his good pleasure, and now you're grumbling and disputing against those things. You're not really grumbling and disputing against flesh, but you're grumbling and disputing against God. And we could also even support that with when we think about the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness complaining against Moses, but really they were complaining against God. Oh, you took us out here to die. Oh, you ain't going to give us no water. Oh, you ain't going to give us no bread. And then God had to provide those things through Moses. And so the people directed their grumbling and their disputes, meaning arguments to Moses, but they were really grumbling and disputing against God. So coming back to Philippians, where we're talking about not grumbling, doing all things without grumbling or disputing amongst the people in our church, we have to recognize that the people in the church are being used by God as well. And the circumstances we are in, which we're supposed to give thanks for in all things, because that's what that's the will of God, according to First Thessalonians 5. 18, I think, then we cannot grumble or dispute, right? Mm -hmm. So if we are grumbling and disputing against God, then let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, where it says we demolish arguments in every lofty opinion. So grumbling and disputing is arguments. And if you think about it, when you're grumbling against someone, meaning you're complaining, it's because you think you know better. It's because you think your way is better. It's because you have a lofty opinion. Mm -hmm. Or you have some kind of pretension where you think you're in the right and the other person is not. And that's why you're complaining or that's why you're arguing. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 straight up tells us how to get rid of that spirit of grumbling and uh, disputing in 2 Corinthians 10.5. And we need to get rid of that 
I don't want to say spirit, but that um, desire to complain and argue because that if we keep that attitude, that inward attitude, one, we're not innocent, and two, we're doing this against God, and three, it's it's um, going to make us more like our crooked generation rather than us being separate from them. Because if our generation, our nation, our people, that's the three different words they use in three different translations. If our generation, if, if this crooked and twisted generation, if this crooked and twisted nation, if these crooked and twisted people all of the world are people that grumble and dispute, if we turn around and do the same, how different are we than they? When we're supposed to be different than they, we're supposed to be separate. We have been set apart. We are a holy nation. So we can't grumble and dispute like the people of this world. So then how do we become innocent and do things without grumbling or disputing? We look to 2 Corinthians 10, 5. But then when I was reading 2 Corinthians 10, 5, this is what, that was all background context. But when I was reading 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that's what really, I guess, spoke to me in terms of how we do things without grumbling or disputing, but then it also humbled me because it says, once again, we demolish arguments and every, I'll use lofty high opinion, even though this version I'm looking at says pretension, but let me get the right version that I like. Um, I, I like the ESV, that's the NIV. So the ESV says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So one, like I just said, grumbling and disputing, when you're doing that against people, you're really doing that against God because you think you have a better opinion. So we have to recognize that when we're grumbling, complaining, disputing, arguing, we're really doing that against God and his knowledge because he put us in those situations. He knows all, he's omnipotent. He is working in every situation and every person. So if you're if you're arguing and having this opinion, you're raising it against God and God's knowledge. How do you destroy that mindset? It says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So I was looking at that like, well, one, you have to acknowledge that you are having a thought that is not innocent. Two, you have to judge that thought that is not innocent as that. You have to judge it as something raised against God. And then three, you have to take it captive, which the Bible tells us to do. So when I was going through those three pieces in my mind, I was like, well, that's deep because we might acknowledge when we think something wrong. Sometimes we don't acknowledge when we think something wrong. <laughs> but sometimes we acknowledge when we think something wrong, but we don't judge it mm. as wrong. We justify it as right. Well, that person did that to me, so I am justified in thinking this about them. That person is fine, so I'm justified in having lustful thoughts about him or her. Um, this person hurt my feelings, so I'm justified in my feelings of being hurt and my trauma and sitting in it, even though I've turned around and sat in it and caused that to cause more hurt and trauma because now I'm perverting it. So even if we acknowledge our thoughts, we don't judge them or we can have the tendency to not judge them. Instead, we'll judge the person. Instead, we'll judge the situation. So that was the humbling piece for me where it was like, I'll be out here acknowledging my thoughts because I know what's wrong, but then justifying them and judging the person rather than judging my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I'm judging the person like you're crazy, you're evil, you're fine, you're wrong, you're full of this or that. And thus in that judgment, justifying my own thoughts and not 
judging them. And if I can't even judge them as wrong, I can't even get to the third step of taking it captive. But even if a person gets past the one and the two, then my thought process was, a lot of times we speak about the power and authority that we have as Christians. I know we talk about it on CC, but I, I'm even referring to in Bible studies and sermons and conversations. A lot of times that's a lot of the conversation about spiritual warfare and having power and authority to bind and loose and to rebuke and cast away and da 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 da. But are you bonding up yourself? Are you bonding up your own thoughts? Because that same power and authority that you have to come, um, to stand in spiritual warfare or to bind and loose things of the flesh outwardly, meaning when you see some something or someone and you're like, I bind that up, I cast that to hell. Are you doing those same things with your thoughts? Because you have that same power and authority to do those things to those demons and to that flesh and to that and that situation. You have that same power and authority to do it inwardly. You have that same power and authority to participate in inward spiritual warfare. A lot of times people think about spiritual warfare as just external. You got spiritual warfare going on in your mind. So are you participating in spiritual warfare in your mind or are you just sitting back as a bystander in spiritual warfare of your mind? Are you standing in that power and authority and binding up your own flesh when your desires rise up because you got these fleshly desires that you're allowing to run rampant or are you allowing them to be justified? So if we had that same power and authority that we love to talk about when it comes to other people and other circumstances and other situations, are you using that same power and authority to take your own thoughts captive? Because you have that power to do that, to take those thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. And then once they do that, then you'll be innocent. And if you have innocence, then you can't even get to the blame. So if you are now innocent and blameless, then we could get back to Second Corinthians, I mean, to Philippians 2, where we can now be blameless and innocent children of God, meaning separated from this world without blemish amongst this crooked and twisted generation. Praise God. Um, that was so good. So this morning I woke up at like five something. I was spending time with God. And I started studying Second Corinthians 10. And I actually started at verse number three. Where it says, for we walk in the flesh, um, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And I feel like, obviously, that's giving insight of what you're saying, like, you know, just basically checking it. But to continue, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above. I mean, against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so with, with what you said, that was so good because your, your second point was to judge it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait, am I correct? Okay. And so the reason why I wanted to read that is because it says the weapons of our warfare are not carny or not carnal, right? So basically saying like, why are you trying to I guess, fight a spiritual thing in a natural tense. So when you said judging it, because the question that I was asking myself while I was spending time with God this morning is like, okay, well, what are the weapons of our warfare? And immediately, obviously you find it in that, you find it in those, that scripture, you find it in that word right there. But immediately, as soon as I asked, well, well God, like, what is the weapons of our warfare? Like how could I ask the same line of questioning that you did? Like, how do I take my thoughts captive? <laughs> you know, like, how do I cast down these arguments? Like, what does that look like? And how can I implement this and apply it? Um, apply this teaching into my into my natural and spiritual life. 
And immediately when I was like, what are the weapons of my warfare? I heard the, the word of God. And so we know that in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword. Because because immediately I was like the weapons of our warfare. And then I thought about Ephesians 6 being the scripture where we receive the armor of God. So I'm like, OK, both of these are talking about, you know, the war, the warfare and preparing you in one form or another. And so I'm like, all right, well, let me go to Ephesians 6. And then I started thinking, even while I was just turning to Ephesians 6 this morning, I'm, I was just thinking like, you know, everything that the armor of God is presenting us with is protective gear, except for the sword of the spirit. And we know that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So when I, obviously it says, and take Ephesians 6, 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I started thinking, or I, I feel like the Holy Spirit just dropped it into me, um, two edged swords, sharper than two, a two edged sword. And I was like, what is sharper than a two edged sword? Like, what's, I know that that is a scripture, but what is that in reference to? And so I Googled two edged sword Bible scripture and Hebrews 4 12 popped up. And I'm getting somewhere. And it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when you said judging, the, the thing that stood out, to, I'm excited. The thing that stood out to me the most, because I literally wrote down, I said, if you want to identify the source of the thought, you have to test it by lining it up to the word of God. So when you were talking about judging it, basically, that's the same thing as testing it. Like, what are the intents behind? You know, well, let me identify the source and the intent behind this thought. Is this thought here um, to encourage me or discourage me? Right. Is this thought here to provide me uh, clarity or confusion? Is this thought here to edify me or make me fall into lustful desires, right? Is this thought here to arouse anger inside of me or restore joy? Like what is the intent behind this thought? And does this thought align with the word of God? Because a, lo a lot of times I always say this on CC, on prayer calls and Bible studies in a pulpit. I say this in everyday conversation. The enemy's weapons of choice, because I learned this in my church, are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. But we have, because like it says in the scripture that Dana was speaking about in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, to take every thought captive. And we do have that power to, you know, loose and bind and call things. You know, we have the power to speak to those things. But we also have the power to, to decide what we allow to take residence. Just because a thought crosses your mind doesn't mean that you have to welcome it in to stay there. Right. And I believe that that's what Dana is saying is like, OK, first, just because this thought is here doesn't mean that you just allow it to stay there or you allow it to take root or you allow it to start to dwell um, and plant a seed inside of you. Like, no, acknowledge that this thought is there and then judge it being tested by what. Are, OK, God, is this a you thought? Is this a me thought? Is this a demonic thought? Right. And then judging this and testing it by the word of God, by asking what is the intent? What is the intent and reasoning behind this? And does this thought? align with the word of God like can I find a specific scripture that I have peace with not like a self scripture because a lot of times we can also find scriptures that can complement what we wanted to but actually instead convict like okay this is the scripture that is giving me peace about this thought um and so one of the things that I also said is that um spiritual warfare oh, I already said that so okay good <laughs> 
But yeah, so those like my biggest thing is that um the judging when you talked about judging and testing because that was like one of my big revelations. It's like being able to identify that so source, and then I also like looked up. Um, well, I, while studying, I also was consistently wanting to understand like the different weapons of our warfare. So I can just give you those real quick. So the first one that I found and that I believe the spirit revealed to me was the word of God. And again, that comes from Ephesians 6, 17 and Hebrews 4, uh, verse 12. And then prayer and the spoken word, which, again, is what Dana was speaking to. It's like you have the ability to after you acknowledge it, after it's judged. What was number three? Captivated. Captivated, right. And we do that using our tongue. We do that using the word of God. And so in Ephesians 6, verse 18, it again tells us praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And we know Proverbs 18, 21 talks about death and life. Um, the power of death and life being in your tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And again, I say this all the time. The that is a spiritual principle. Like the power of life and death being in your tongue, that's not like only applies to Christians because it's people out here who don't believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, but who believe in the law of attraction or they believe in if I speak it out into the universe, it's going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> That is the trigger word that triggers my annoyance. I did also want to say not captivated, but captivate your thoughts, not be captivated because be captivated means that you're. You like it. You're interested in it. But to captivate the thoughts. But yes, that manifest stuff. People be, especially Christians, when, especially when Christians use the word manifest. I'm like, why don't you like the word manifest when it's, you don't like it when it's used in the wrong context? Or you believe that the world, the world has captivated this word and then made it become something that it's not. I guess I don't like when Christians use it because they make it seem like they are manifesting their own destiny. Mm, okay. I mean, I understand we have free will and to an extent, you know, you are because you could choose to be disobedient and things not work out the way God intends. But I don't know. It just be saying wrong with me. I'll work on it, but it'd be saying wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely context, context, like in the context of people using it. Um, but the fact that we said the fact that we said manifest at the same time, that's hilarious. But number. uh. Oh, and another scripture for um, prayer and the spoken word is 1 Corinthians 14, 15, where it says, I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with understanding, meaning obviously we can pray with, in whatever our earthly language is, English, Spanish, French, or and also and also in your heavenly language, with it, which is tongues. And then the other one is fasting and praying, which obviously we know that when it comes to um the weapons of our warfare. Dana says this a lot, actually. Like some things can only come out. <laughs> like some things can only come out by fasting and praying. And the reason why I feel like that's definitely a weapon of warfare because let's say that since you were a young child, you've done dealt with lustful thoughts, um, and pornography addiction, or uh, discouragement or suicidal thoughts like let's just say like since you were young and now 20 years later 15 years later 10 years later five years later you're still dealing with these thoughts and no matter how much you're praying and you know casting it down and reading the word of god it's just it seems like it has this stronghold over you uh, and it's captive captivating your mind um fasting 
and praying <laughs> um, are definitely weapons of our warfare because this is some things that cannot be driven out without fasting and praying. Um, so that if you just read the story about Jehoshaphat and like the war that they they said that they was about to come and overcome them in um, Second Chronicles chapter twenty, and then he literally it says that he. Joseph had feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And one of the things that I wrote, because I initially I just went to like, okay, fasting and praying. Like I need to fast and pray in order to acknowledge or to judge or to be able to take, take this thing captive. But what God gave me revelation for, for in that moment is that seeking is also a weapon. And y'all know my favorite scripture is Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. But when it says that Joseph had feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah, that's when God was like seeking and fasting and praying are weapons that lead to the instructions that are needed for obedience, which then brings me to number four, which is obedience. And that's what um, Dana spoke about earlier. And obviously, if you just go to verse number six, because she was speaking from Second Corinthians 10, five. But if you go to verse number six, it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That was so good to me, because literally when I fulfill obedience, like my obedience or the fulfillment of obedience trumps disobedience. And so the different thoughts ideas and suggestions that come our way, whether they are self thoughts, ideas, suggestions, demonic self ideas or suggestions or whatnot. Like the moment that I choose God's word or I choose to pray or I choose to fast or I choose to obey over allowing these things or choose to just speak a word and cast it out over allowing it to take residence in my mind and, you know, dig a, a seed root or dig a ditch and take root in my mind and in my being then obviously i overcome that thing and then the last one that i had is praise and worship and that comes from second chronicles 20 verse 20 through 22 but just reading the last verse in 22 it says um because god gave them the instructions and then they obeyed the instructions and in the instruction one of the things that god was telling them is like you know you you will not need to fight in this battle like this battle is not yours with the Lord. Like you won't need to fight. Just do these things. And I got you. And when they got to the place in verse number 22, it says, now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. So literally when they were singing, praising and worshiping, they won without having to fight in the natural because they were taking care of the spiritual warfare, which allowed God to fight in the natural on their behalf. That's all I got. <laughs> well, it's that 28 minutes anyhow. But just when you were saying the thing about fasting, um, because I was looking at Hebrews 4.12 and people tend to just quote the part about the word being sharper than any double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And they don't get on to the part where it says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Excuse me. And a lot of times the thoughts stem from an attitude of the heart mm -hmm. or the allowance to let the thoughts sit there stems from an attitude of the heart. 
So when you have these thoughts and you acknowledge them as wrong, the fact that you don't judge them is because the attitude of your heart is you don't want to, <laughs> if you know better. Because um, if you can acknowledge it as wrong, why aren't you judging it? Because the attitude of your heart is that you don't want to. You want to find some kind of way to justify what, you, what you're doing. Or you just want to live in this situation because it is such a stronghold, like you said, that you might have been living in, whether knowingly or unknowingly, for years, maybe even decades. So, like, lustful thoughts, that something that's going to be in your heart as well as your mind, especially if it's a stronghold, and you have this attitude of, well, I want to think this thing, even though you acknowledge it is wrong, you're not even going to get to judging it. And so, um, acknowledging that the word is what's going to cut through that. But also, I think what you mentioned in terms of when it's like such a stronghold, especially if it's the attitude of the heart that's attached to this thought and it's based or rooted in some stronghold, some trauma, some experience that you are constantly experiencing that you might even still be around you got us like fast. You're not going to get rid of that just by doing praise, worship, prayer, um, reading the Bible, because fasting is denying the flesh. And if the flesh is what wants you to do this thing, you ain't going to get out of that until you deny your flesh spiritually and physically. Mm-hmm. But we're at 30 minutes, so. I mean, we can pray out. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for another day above ground, especially in a season filled of so much loss where so many people around us have been affected by death. We ask that you continue to be with the bereaved families that are mourning and grieving in this time, in this season, even if it be for non-COVID related reasons. We ask that you step in and divinely comfort them because you said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That you step in and fill fill that gap or that hole that they may feel. And with recognizing all of those who are mourning and grieving and experiencing loss around us, even if it's not physical loss, we don't take this time for granted. We don't take this opportunity for granted. We don't take this breath for granted. We don't even take the opportunity to use technology to even speak with one another and commune with one another while others are facing loss of connection. We don't take any of that for granted. So thank you. And we acknowledge you you as the one who's given us life and has given us another opportunity to fulfill your purpose and to fulfill your will to do your good pleasures. So we thank you for that opportunity. And as we continue to walk in this journey, fulfilling your purpose and maximizing this opportunity, I ask that you let this study, this conversation, this word that we've had today resonate in the minds and hearts and spirits of everyone under the sound of our voices, including ourselves, that we use this information, this revelation, this uh, word from you as a blueprint and as a source for edification, that we not just be hearers of it, but doers of it, and that we use this to edify ourselves and our spirit so that we can be better Christians and more like you, so that we can be better people and be more like you. 
so that we can separate ourselves as a holy nation and not like this crooked and very perverse generation, nation, and people. Continue to instill in us your word. Continue to strengthen us. Continue to reveal things to us so that we may have the will to do your work. Continue to work in us so that we have the will to do your work. All these things I ask in your son Christ Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. And thank you guys for joining us. We will see you guys next week um, for another Covenant Conversation. You can definitely tune in and listen to previous conversations on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically all streaming platforms. If you want to follow us on Instagram because it's super cute and we've been doing a lot of cool things over there, it's Covenant Conversation with no S. And again, if you want to listen to previous conversations, go to all streaming platforms and type in Covenant Conversations with an S. Love you guys. We'll speak to you next week. Who am I? Am I ready? Am I called? Am I cool? Am I tripping? Am I odd? Am I chosen for?